Danny and Mary both listened silently when the letter was being read. After it was read, Danny looked up. Father, is it all right if I light a candle for Michael Jr. tonight in church? Yes, son, I think that would be great. Well, I'm going to write him a letter about everything that happened here and how much we missed him, Mary said as she jumped up to get some paper. Oh, hold on there, young lady. Slow down. That will have to wait until the morning. It's getting too dark and we can't afford to use any more oil. Oh, Father, Mary said, her shoulder slumping in disappointment. Why don't we just all go to church tonight and light a candle for Michael Jr. and all the young soldiers? They all agreed this would be a fine idea. During the war, it was easy to tell when there had been a major battle by the number of people praying at church. Unfortunately, that night, the church was packed full. One more letter came from Michael Jr. that year, around Christmas time. Much of it was about a certain rebel. More and more wounded coming in Rebs. When I first got here, I hated the Rebs. I don't anymore. Many are just like me, just young and scared. One of them who came through was from the same village you came from, and his name was O'Malley. Wasn't that your friend Tom's name? Michael stared at the name. It had been a while since he had seen it. Letters from Tom had stopped coming shortly after his letter to Katie. He wondered if this young rebel knew of Tom. He shook his head, realizing he was starting to daydream again, and there were some questions that would never be answered. The rest of the letter talked about basic camp life. Michael smiled when Michael Jr. mentioned that he had been attending Mass whenever possible. Katie would be happy when she read that. When Katie read the letter, she ought to be gasped when she saw what village the rebel had come from and his name. Now, Katie, you know how big the old Manly Callahan is. This O'Malley is probably only distantly related to Tom. Yes, I know, but it does make you think. Aye, it does. The holiday season came and went, and the war dragged on for the fourth year. Atlanta burned, and it still went on, like it would never end. Around Richmond and Petersburg, the Army of Northern Virginia was entrenched. One battle ran into another as Grant kept attacking Lee's line. As the list of battles grew, so did the list of dead. He's a butcher, stayed Michael, sitting at the bar. I is. A butcher. Mike repeated to no one in particular as he touched his rosary and drank some more. Spring came, and the anticipation was in the air that the war would soon end with the news that Richmond and Petersburg had finally fallen. Good Friday was only a week away, and Michael was working on the dock while Katie was busy with her needlework, and the children were at school when the bell started ringing. At first it was just one church, then another, then it seemed the bells were pealing from all directions. Michael stopped what he was doing and looked toward the tenements, fearing a fire, but there was no smoke. Perhaps the city was under attack from the rebels, although he couldn't figure out how. Then he saw Toby running breathlessly toward him. Lee surrendered. What? Michael shouted back, not believing his ear. He heard this rumor enough and believed it too many of them to be caught again. No, it's true. Lee surrendered yesterday. I'm going to tell Katie our son is coming home. 
Michael said as he ran toward home. Toby headed toward the market where Autumn and Raven would be. He couldn't wait to tell Autumn that the days of looking over her shoulders all the time were over, that they were finally and truly free. As Michael arrived at the door, Katie was coming out. Did you hear? They both said at the same time, laughing. Michael said, you first. No, you. Yes, I heard Lee surrendered. That means the war's over. Well, there are still some rebels in the field. But they'll surrender quickly, right? Well, they will if they're smart. Unfortunately, don't, people don't always do what's smart. Aye, Katie said sadly. Michael slid her... Michael slid his finger under her chin and lifted her head up. Michael Jr. will be coming home. Yes, she said, smiling. As he hugged her, he was surprised by how thin she was. He had been teasing her about it before, but now it didn't seem so funny as she turned away coughing. Soon Danny and Mary and Patrick were home from school. They had dismissed everyone as soon as the news was heard. The celebration went on for the remainder of the week. Throughout the city, it would die down, then flare up again. The celebration was the loudest and most exuberant in the black section of the city. For the first time, many of the residents could stop looking over their shoulder. They were finally truly free.